Today's scripture reading is from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 2, verses 30, or 21 to 38. Again, that's Luke, chapter 2, verses 21 to 38. Hear now God's word. And at the end of eight days, when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. And when the time came for their purification, according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up. In his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people, Israel. And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign that is opposed, and a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. And there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher, She was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin, and then as a widow until she was 84. She did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. And coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. This is God's word. Amen. You may be seated. The passage we are looking at this morning is showing us how God's surprising salvation comes at long last through the child Jesus. How God's surprising salvation comes at long last through the child, Jesus. That message that comes from this passage is important for a number of different reasons. Uh, First of all, there are many people who feel like they're waiting for God to show up. Uh, One illustration of this uh, comes from a 
some would say the best play written in the 20th century by a man called Samuel Beckett called Waiting for Godot. It illustrates how in our culture today of late modernity, however you characterize the stage in society in which we are all living, we are waiting. And in the play, Waiting for Godot, Samuel Beckett uh, tells a story of, of two men talking to each other, and they're constantly waiting for this character called Godot to show up, and he never does appear. He never shows up. And there are many different interpretations given about this play, uh, but essentially what it's saying is that we live in a time when people are waiting for something of significance, transcendence, substance, Godot, or God to show up. And of course, many people would say that he hasn't shown up and won't show up because he doesn't really exist. It's a myth. It's a fantasy. But, and that may be where you're coming from this Christmas. You're, you're waiting for Godot. But there are others who are going through difficulties in their life of challenges of one kind or another, and they're, they're wanting God to intervene to do something, to show up. Well, here we see how God does show up in a surprising way. And that surprise is important too for us to listen to the theme of this passage, for there are many other people today who are frankly bored with Christianity, perhaps even bored with Christmas, even though the day after Christmas may be a little too soon to be bored with Christmas. But it feels like we've heard it all before. We've sung the carols. We've heard the stories. We know about the manger and the angels and the shepherds. And we've heard it all before. But here there is a surprise Something unexpected that this story is meant to show us, as I hope to explain as we go through it. But then, of course, most importantly of all, the theme of this passage is significant because it's showing us salvation. And there are, there are people who know that they need salvation. They know that there's something wrong with their lives. They know that they need forgiveness for their sins. They know that there is a rescuer that is required in their lives. And then there are others who don't know that they need salvation. But either way, according to the Bible, salvation is required. And so this passage is significant for these and other reasons as it shows us that God's surprising way of salvation comes at long last through the child Jesus. And the way it, it tells that story or the way that Luke, the author of this gospel, tells that story is through two characters, Simeon 
and Anna, two extraordinary characters, both of them probably old. We, we know that Anna was advanced in years. She was very old. And Simeon almost certainly was also very old, for we're told that he uh, was waiting for the consolation of Israel and that when he finally sees Jesus, he says to God, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. He, he realized he'd come towards the end of his life. Both Simeon and Anna, unlikely heroes, elderly, aged, and yet with a message to us. Uh, Simeon, who was Simeon? We're told, verse 25, he was righteous and devout. That is, he was both, both a man of moral character, of ethical gravitas, a, a man who was good and knew the right thing and did the right thing. And also he was devout, that is, he was committed to the temple, he was committed to the worship of God, he was committed to the scriptures, he, he was a man of prayer, he was, he was a good man and a godly man too. And we're told he was waiting for the consolation of Israel. He studied the Scriptures. He knew that the Old Testament prophets had promised that there would come a day when Israel that was under the oppression of Rome and had been sent into captivity by Babylon and had never really recovered its glory days that the prophets had said there would come a time when there would be a consolation, a comfort, a recovery, a restoration. And he had studied the Scriptures, and he was waiting for the consolation of Israel. He was, a, he was a good man. He was a godly man. He was a Bible man who believed the Scriptures. And we're told the Holy Spirit was upon him. He was filled with the Spirit. He was a spiritual man. If you'd met Simeon, you would have realized there was something above and beyond about him. He was filled with the Spirit. The Spirit was upon him. He wasn't simply outwardly good or piously devout. He was filled with God's Spirit. And uh, he had this prophetic relationship to God. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. He, 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 perhaps through his study of Scriptures, the Holy Spirit had applied to him that he himself would be there at that moment that he would play a critically significant role in identifying the Messiah. And he was waiting. And we're told, verse 27, he came in the Spirit into the temple. He was moved by the Spirit, that some intuition, some prompt. Uh, perhaps uh, he was worshiping in the Spirit in the way that Paul talks about how we, we, we should pray in the Spirit, meaning that he was 
in a right relationship with God and filled with the Spirit and connected to God. And in that sense, he was in the Spirit as he worshipped in the temple. As Jesus said, his true worshippers shall worship in spirit and in truth. Or it could be that he was moved by the Spirit, prompted by the Spirit. There was some intuition in this godly good man who studied the Scriptures, who the Spirit was upon, that he knew at that moment it was time. And he went to the temple, prompted by the Spirit. Charles Spurgeon, one of the great preachers from yesteryear, there's a, there's a long section of one of his sermons where he describes how in his own experience, uh, Charles Spurgeon's experience, and also in friends of his, that the, 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 there could be these moments when there was a prompting of the Spirit to do something. We're, we're suspicious of that kind of language these days. And yet... Spurgeon would say, if the Spirit prompts you to do something biblical, do it. Simeon was prompted by the Spirit. He was a remarkable man. That's who he was. Godly, devout, biblical, filled with the Spirit. And uh, he has two astonishing blessings. He both blesses God and then blesses um, Joseph and Mary, particularly speaking to Mary. Uh, the bless, blessing of God is from verses 28 to 32. He said, he blessed God. Lord, now you're letting your servant depart in peace. The famous nunc dimittis in, in, in Latin that is sometimes sung in churches. It comes from these words, of course. He's blessing God. When we, when we think of blessing, we tend to think of a blessing from the superior to the inferior or a blessing at best, at least from peer to peer, we, we can't get our minds around how a human can bless God. But you see, biblically, when we think about blessing, a blessing is a declaration of what is best. When you bless someone, or you are declaring that that is best. And when we bless God, what we're doing is we're declaring that He is best, that He is ultimate good, that He is what is best, who is best. And when we bless each other, we're encouraging each other that this is the blessed way. Walk in that way. One theologian somewhat tongue-in-cheek and in secular terminology says to be blessed is to be lucky. That's the right way. That's the right path. He is the ultimate blessed. And so he blesses God or he praises God. He says, Lord, now you're letting your servant depart in peace, verse 29, according to your word. He studied the scriptures. For my eyes have seen your salvation, this surprising salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. Now, my friends, just think of that moment. There's Simeon, aged Simeon, and he blesses God for 
the glory to Israel, the light for revelation to all the nations, and he's talking about the baby in his arms, the child. What a surprising blessing. And indeed, his father and his mother marveled at what was said about Jesus. They're they're still trying to figure it all out. They've been told by the angels many things, but as they hear yet again an astonishing prophetic blessing about Jesus, their their minds are blown, marveling. This is a, a surprise, this infant glory to Israel and light for the whole world. But his other blessing is, if anything, even more surprising. Verse 34, Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel. In other words, Jesus will turn the established order of things on their head. His kingdom is an upside-down kingdom. For as he said, I have not come to call the righteous but sinners to repentance. And those who don't think they need to be saved, they will fall. But those who desperately cry out to God, they will rise. What is more, he carries on in this surprising blessing, Jesus is a sign that is opposed. This Jesus is controversial. We've been thinking throughout our series of the message of peace that comes at Christmas, which is a core part, of course, of the message of Christmas, peace on earth to those that he favors. But while there is peace with God for those who will receive his grace, and therefore those who receive his grace enter into a community of peace, of shalom, the church, and while it is the case that the final fulfillment of that shalom, that peace, comes when Jesus returns again, when there will truly be peace on earth. That message is only, th- it's only comes through Jesus. And that is a deeply controversial message today as well as then. It's a sign that is opposed. And he says uh, to Mary, a sword will pierce through your own soul also. In other words, this infant child, the incarnation, has in it all that will happen through his life and death. And Mary, as she observes her own son be crucified, will experience the great cost that comes with love. A 
sword will pierce your own soul also. So that, this final part of this most surprising blessing, so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. What Simeon is saying there is that the way we treat Jesus reveals what we truly think about God. Those who worship Jesus, it reveals that their hearts worship God. Those who reject Jesus, it reveals that their hearts do not worship God, for Jesus is God. And so what we do with this Jesus reveals our heart's disposition to God Himself. So there is aged Simeon, but there's one other elderly, godly person here, a prophetess, Anna, verse 36, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years, and we're told she's 84, she's really quite old. Uh, She was only married for seven years, and then she spent the rest of her life as a widow in the temple, fasting and praying and worshiping God day and night. She was a godly woman, a prophetess, a, a minister of the truth of God in the temple. And then we're told, coming at that very hour, maybe she was prompted by the Spirit too, or it could be, for we're not told specifically, that it was an intuition that she had, a spiritual intuition. It could be that instead what Luke is underlining here is that for Anna, as opposed to Simeon, for Anna it was simply providence. She came at that very moment and saw Simeon with the infant and providentially, She was there at exactly the right time, this godly prophetess who spent her days worshiping in the temple, fasting and praying day and night. And she began to to give thanks to God and then to speak of Him, that is of Jesus, to all who are waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. She spoke of Jesus to all those who were longing for that time when Jerusalem, the city under captivity, would be redeemed. And what she's saying is the redemption of the city of Jerusalem will come through none other than that child in Simeon's arms. What a surprise. God's surprising salvation at long last is shown to come through the child, Jesus. Well, what then does that mean for us? Here are a few uh, thoughts at the end. First of all, it means that we are to wait. 
Simeon and Anna waited for the arrival of the Messiah. We live on the other side of his life and death and resurrection, ascension and the giving of his spirit. And yet we're still waiting too, for we are waiting for the consummation of the ages when Jesus returns. We too are in a period of waiting. Theologians call it the period between the now when Jesus has come and the not yet when he will come again. Waiting is not a popular message. We like things instantaneously. We like our Wi-Fi to be fast. We like things on demand right now. And yet, as a Christian, part of what God has promised for you, you will not experience now. The best of what God has promised for you, Christian, you will not experience now. You're waiting. Now, they were active in their waiting. Simeon, with his devout, godly commitment to the Scriptures and filled with the Spirit, uh, Anna, a prophetess, doing God's work in the temple, fasting and praying. They're active in their waiting, and yet they realize, as we must too, that there is a further horizon for which we wait. And I think we learn to worship. Did you notice that this all takes place in the temple? There is a special sense in which God is present when His people gather. Jesus says, where two or three are gathered, there am I. When we gather in, if you like, the temple, there's a special sense in which God is here. And maybe that's your surprise, that you come to the temple and you find the child you find salvation. And then I think finally we learn witness. Look at the way that Anna spoke of him to all who are waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. You know, there are many people today who are waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem, perhaps not physically the city of Jerusalem, but they're waiting for the redemption of our city. They're waiting for the redemption of our country, of our culture, of our society, of their lives. They're longing for a redeemer, a rescuer, and we know that that redeemer is the child. And so we are to witness, to speak of him too. God's surprising salvation comes at long last through the child, Jesus. Let's pray together. 
Oh Lord God, we do thank you for the example of um, Simeon and Anna, these elderly, holy servants of yours. Fill us too with your spirit. Give us too the patience to wait. Give us too the joy of worship together in your temple courts. And give us too the desire and the ability to witness. For we pray it in Jesus' name and for his glory. Amen.